Welcome to another Win Daily Show. It's just me and Joel today because Michael Raziel is off in St. Lucia having his honeymoon. And apparently his wife is more important than us, which is <laughs> not cool. But nonetheless, Joel, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. It was uh, last week was fun. Um, I think, you know, a lot of our picks looked good. It was a fun ride throughout the weekend. But I'm super pumped to get into this weekend's tournament. I think uh, it's going to look a lot different. There's a lot more guys in the field. Um, it's going to look a lot different building lineups. But um, I think I do. I think we have a good feel for this week as well. I think uh, there's a lot of guys this week that are standing out. And I'm looking forward to kind of breaking down the field with everyone today so we can make some more money. Awesome. Uh, looks like we have Theo and S guy, AKA that's Joe, right? S guy. Give me, give me a yeah on that. It's been a little while, but um, thanks for watching. So yeah, listen about last week. So it was Sunday. Uh, Theo, what is up? So it was Sunday and it was right when most of the guys that were like, you know, teeing off late on Sunday that, that were like just starting on the back nine. And I had on my $200 single entry team, which, you know, was was my biggest entry last week. Uh, I was forty sixth out of uh, thirty three hundred or so, and but but then I I sort of stopped tracking it right, and all of a sudden I noticed that Colin Morikawa, Joaquin Neiman, Ryan Palmer, and Dustin Johnson were all in the top five. I think DJ was either fifth or sixth. My other two guys were Cam Smith, who was kind of wilting, and unfortunately Andrew Landry, because that's how I get those superstars. I, I had to take a shot at somebody. Didn't work out. But honestly, I was 46 before those guys even popped into the top five. I mean, obviously Palmer and Joaquin were in there, but DJ and Morikawa were not. So I was thinking, oh boy. And I have this thing, Joel, and before we get into the field, I, I, am I crazy? Like I was like, I'm not going to look at DraftKings right now. Because I don't want to know what my potential for money is. I want to know what my money is at the end of the tournament. So I just refused to check. And I was thinking, oh, man, I could be really close to 20000 here. Because, I mean, I've got four guys in the top five. They're all scoring really well. Joaquin Neiman's in first place. Palmer's in third. Like, it's everything was clicking. And then that back nine. DJ, double bogey followed by a bogey. Colin Morikawa completely wilted. Ryan Palmer had some, some ups and downs there. I think he even had a double. So suddenly I went from what I think was maybe a top five finish to I ended up finishing like 200th, which is, you know, decent. I doubled my money in that particular tournament. But, man, I thought I had something there, Joel. I really did. So it's funny because, listen, all that contact is everything because you won, you doubled your money. You're always happy when you double your money, right? But it was the fact that you looked at it, you're like, oh, there's a bigger potential here. And then when it didn't get the big potential, then you were disappointed because you just doubled your money. So – Context is everything, right? You're happy. You doubled your money. A win is a win. We like to win. Um, but yeah, that's what I was saying. We were kind of talking briefly before the show, but for everyone else, I think that's big, part of the big reason for that is because um, it was such a small field last week, right? There was 40 golfers. So, you know, in a bigger field like next week with, with much more guys to choose from, it will when you're doing that well, those double bogeys won't affect you as poorly as they did last week because – of the high ownership of everyone because there's only 40 guys to choose from. So when someone else does well, you're just going to get passed because, um, you know, that's just how it's up this week. Not all those guys are going to have that high ownership. It's going to be spread out much more. So when you're on the back nine and you're doing that well, it's going to be much harder for you to drop by a lot. So just keep that in mind this week when you're building a lot of time. It's just going to be a, a very different type of tournament and mentality. Yeah, and I, actually I'm, I'm curious to get it. And by the way, Michael is watching the show on his honeymoon. That's how much – 
People love the show. Yeah, granted, he's the host, but that is evidence, circumstantial evidence of how much people, Michael is a person, even though he's a host as well, uh, love the show. He's on his honeymoon. He's in St. Lucia, and he wants to spend the night with us. Okay, that came that came out wrong. Um, <laughs> with, his, with his new bride, but you know, you know what I'm saying. So, Michael, thanks for watching the show. You can't put a lineup in in St. Lucia, is my guess. But if you can, uh, we're gonna have the picks for you, sir. Um, let me. You know what, Joel? Let me get started with that elite range, which it looks like we have two for. We've got six guys in the in, and we're talking DraftKings pricing usually, but you know, FanDuel, all of these opinions matter the same. Let me start with uh, Webb Simpson. Uh, I, you know, listen. Here's the thing. I don't, you know, we'll have updated ownership tomorrow night um, with Steve's model, which which for those of you that don't already know it, all of you know that are watching the show, I'm sure. He gets this stuff from his Palo Alto boys, Silicon Valley. Like this is really like high grade info. So, but right now I have some preliminary ownership numbers, which will change by the time Steven comes out with his article on windailysports.com. But Webb Simpson, I was hoping he wasn't going to be that popular because he's the most expensive guy. And if you look at his finishing position last week, it wasn't great. It was 17th. And the thing is, and the reason I like him, is because he was pretty horrible off the tee last week. Well, that's not going to be as big a problem here. He's not going to need the length off the tee here. A lot of these guys are going to club down because we probably should have covered this. But this is not an off the tee. This is not a bomber's course. You know, this is you want to be accurate off the tee, of course. But even if you're not accurate, that's not a gigantic deal. The rough isn't super penal. This is a resort course. But, you know, strokes gained on approach, I think, Joel, you'd probably agree with me. That's probably where you want to be on this course, right? 100%. Um, the biggest thing that, that I'm seeing kind of going into the tournament is driving distance seems to matter the least. So a lot mm -hmm. of guys won't even take out their driver on a lot of holes. It's about accuracy getting on. So those bombers, we don't need to be targeting. We, we want accurate guys this week. Uh, approach is probably the most important set, as it always is. So, you know, not to take anything away, but that's, you know, almost consistently 90% of the time, the, always the most important thing is how are they, how are ball strikers, how are they hitting their eyes? Yeah. And so we know from Webb Simpson, in spite of the fact that he wasn't great off the tee, well, he was good on approach last week, like he always is. And again, if you're clubbing down and you're Webb Simpson, you don't have to hit the ball a mile, you're probably in pretty good shape relative to the field. And let's not forget, Webb Simpson headlines this field because we don't have Justin Thomas, because we don't have Dustin Johnson or Bryson DeChambeau or, you know, Rory McIlroy or any of these guys. So, you know, there's a reason he's at the top. But I, again, I'm still surprised his ownership looks like it's going to exceed 30 percent, which last week wouldn't have been a huge deal because it was a 42 person event. But this week we have 144 guys or so. And wow, that, that is a big ownership percentage. So we're going to have to see with Stephen's article if that kind of changes, if it falls below 30, I still might take him in GPP and get different in that six and seven K range, or maybe that eight K range. But I do like Webb Simpson, just like just from a cash standpoint and still a little bit from a GPP standpoint, I'm not going to be on Harris English. You know, at this point you're chasing points. As far as I'm concerned, he's 10,800 second highest priced guy. Um, he's playing great. You know, I should have been on him more last week that to be honest with you, I felt like I had all the guys pegged last week, except for Harris English. Unfortunately, that was the one I had Neiman. You know, I had Morikawa. I had um, Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas, which you know that that's um, no pat on the back there. Those are those are those are two elite guys. But I'm going to pass right over Harris English. I do like Colin Morikawa, but again, Joel, I don't know if you've seen the preliminary ownership percentages, but he's around 25%. So that's that's pretty high for Colin. Now Colin has ties in Hawaii. He has family in Hawaii. That can both be a pro and a con. I'm not really factoring it in. I do still like him because he's such a good ball striker, and that that's obviously what you want here. Um, other than that, in the elite range, 
I'm a huge Joaquin Neiman fan. I genuinely am. I was on him last week. I, I liked him outright last week. I don't know that I would put him ahead of Colin Morikawa and Webb Simpson here, though. So while I like him, I don't love him. And then the next two down, I'm not going to be on. Hideki, just no thank you. I, I talked about him last week. I kind of like put my arms in the air. It's like this guy hasn't won since 2017. Everybody just always loves him. What a great ball striker. Well, he's pretty good at ball striking and he's pretty terrible at putting and he never seems to be able to justify his price tag. So last week, I think he was 9,000 justifiable to play him there. But this week at 10,200, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense unless you just want to get different. But he's still he's still tracking at around 10%. Finally, Daniel Berger, like Daniel Berger, but I can't pick everybody here. So I'm off of him. Yeah, I think you made a one thing I want to touch on right away. I think you made a really good point about Hideki in that, listen, he's really good, right? So let's not get away from that. He does disappoint a lot, but he's very good at golf. Now, you see, you're absolutely right. He's a very bad golf. I mean, a very bad putter. So that hurts him a lot. And um, he hasn't been like he hasn't won in a while. He hasn't been living up to the hype. Like he's consistently getting those top 30s. But at this price tag, that time getting 25, 20 in that range doesn't help you it's too expensive for that you need him to be in the top 10 top five for him to, to work out so i what the reason i'm saying this is because what i'm saying what i'm kind of my advice on him for everyone is let's not completely look away from him let's not completely fade him because he is still really good but the thought when you want to start liking him again when you want to start playing him again is when the price adjusts where now he's underpriced and now it's like when he gets 20 25 30 it's you're going to make money because that's a good value right now you need him to be in the top five in this price range for that to make sense. And he's just, you know, he can he get there. Of course he can. I'm not saying he can't, but it just hasn't looked like he's been consistently doing it. He doesn't seem like he's been that guy over the last six to, to tell a month. So for right now I'm with you. See, I'm, I'm probably not too much on him until that price gets down closer to, you know, the low eights. And, the, and then I'll probably be looking at him again. Now in this top range, I think the, the, it's like the equation that we're all thinking about is web because Probably the favorite. Well, he is the favorite to win the tournament. I like him the most to win the tournament. Um, if I'm going to make a straight bet of anyone, like actually to win, not just taking a long shot, it's him. So like he is a good play, but he's very expensive, um, and it's hard, especially in a GPP, to eat that chalk at that price, right? So that's another thing to consider is if you're going to go someone chalky, right? It's a lot easier to be chalky than a guy like last week, like Ryan Palmer, when they're really cheap, right? Because you can get so creative with the rest of your lineup. When you have to have your best player be the chalkiest player, you're so stuck with what you're doing with your lineup that it makes it hard to get creative and get different. So um, keep that in mind. You know, my favorite guy to win the tournament, if I had to bet on it, it's going to be Webb. I'm definitely going to have him in my lineups. But if he's going to be 30% owned, it's going to be hard in GPPs to have a too much exposure to him. Um, yeah, makes sense. What what other guys in this range are you focused on? If not, if not Webb, who are you pivoting to? That's That's what I want to know. Yeah, so I think my favorite play in this range, who I'm going to go to, because I think he's he's safe and he's, he's giving you the best price, is going to be Daniel Berger. So Daniel Berger played well last week. He's striking the ball really well. And he is a guy that seems to run kind of streaky in that, you know, he'll, he'll put together a few good tournaments in a row where he does well. And he did play well last week. So I'm definitely going back to him. And I think he's probably the most affordable guy in this elite range. So you can still get pretty unique with your lineup. So um, I would say after Webb, Berger's probably my favorite play. Um, and then, you know, there's nothing not to like about Neiman, Morikawa or English. You can't play everybody, right? You, you, you have to pick, you know, if you, uh, this is one of those situations that my strategy with playing GPPs is 
if not Webb, I'm probably not going to be too high on any of these guys, but I will have a few shares of all of them. So low exposure to each of them and where I'm going to try and win the tournament and where I'm going to make my stance is going to be a little bit on the lower priced tiers where I'm going to really go go heavy on those guys. Yeah, so let's start with the um, the 9K range because there's a guy here that I'm not normally on that I absolutely love, and he goes by the name of Sung J.M. Joel, just real quick, are you on him this week or are you not? I am. I am. I like Sung J. And Sung J, you know, the one thing I, I would say about Sung J is like if, if we're looking at, like you said, ball striking, your approach, I and mean, he's the guy. I mean, he is absolutely crushing the ball. He can't be hitting any better, and he's very consistent, right? He's not usually someone that, is you know hot one day colder he's pretty consistent usually you get the same golfer day and day so um and he does this right like you saw last year early in the year last year he was red hot one of the best golfers on tour then he cooled off after covid and you know he was consistently not as good so i think we're getting the the good in right now i think we're in that that zone where he's hitting the ball really well and now's the time to strike while the iron's hot so yeah, I, I I love him, and I have a theory, and, and I I really wish I shared this last week because on the show, because if I did, I might have put him in more lineups, and, and frankly, I just didn't have the the money to put him in a lot of lineups because I was taking a lot of guys that were a similar salary. But so here's my theory, you know, Sung Jay is famous for last year in particular, just playing every weekend, not really having a residence. He's just like every tournament he's gonna play, right? And I always thought every time I heard that narrative, I always heard people putting like a positive spin on it. Like, oh man, he's getting all this practice. He's just going to be in the zone. He's just like going to everything. And and I'm thinking like, this guy has like the body of like Harry Higgs, right? Like, (laughs) like, let's not kid ourselves. I don't care how young the kid is. You know, you, you push yourself through walking 72 holes every single weekend because you have this mentality. Like, I don't know what the guy's thinking, but he must be like thinking it's like a badge of honor to be playing all these tournaments. But my thought is what a great time to play Sungjae because I'm guessing he was just sort of forced to not play even, you know, and what I mean is forget about tournaments. Maybe he didn't practice for a couple of weeks and maybe that body that he might have this misconception can just handle you know, weekend after weekend of golf, well, maybe it kind of needed the rest. Maybe he needed some like mental rest as well. And that's why I kind of wish I had him last weekend. But my point is, again, I know I'm going down narrative street here and I know it might be a little ridiculous, but I actually think he might be in a good like physical and mental space relative to maybe where he was, you know, three or four months ago when he's playing, you know, number, you know, tournament number 18 in a row. So again, it's a narrative that you don't even need to buy into because he is such a great ball striker. And this is kind of like a perfect course fit for him. So I'm a big fan of Sung JM narrative or no narrative. As we go down this nine K range, there's a couple other guys. I like I'm normally on cam Smith. He made me a lot of money at the masters, but I'm probably not on him this week. Uh, I don't want to rely on his short game. His ball striking, you know, was okay last week. Abraham answer. I like great course fit. I'm not going to have a ton of him, but, but I do like him. Ryan Palmer's my guy, right? So last week, if you read my initial picks right up, I literally said in the write up, this price, which was 7,000 on DraftKings, I said, this price is absolutely disrespectful to Ryan Palmer. It is ridiculous. I jammed him in every lineup. It was such a salary saver with the upside that we expected. But now he's up 2,200. Now he's 9,200. And I know Ryan Palmer's a good golfer, but he's not the king of consistency. Like he can have a bad round here and there, maybe not on this resort course, but 9,200, I can't really justify that. I would rather pay down to Adam Scott. And that's the other guy I like in the 9K range. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I think this 9K range was, was interesting. I will um, to both of our horns in that 
we couldn't have been higher on Ryan Palmer last week. Now, in fairness, he was 25% owned in, in most tournaments, so a lot of people were on him. But um, listen, we've been saying Ryan Palmer for a year. We love Ryan Palmer on the show. He's been consistently underpriced. And now the price is coming up. Now it's a combination of it's not quite the same field as, as you know, all the studs. So he's a little up because, you know, you're missing your JTs, your DJs, and that kind of thing. Uh, but it's also, you know, he's consistent. People are finally coming around like, all right, this guy's no joke. I mean, he's consistently doing well. This is where he should be priced. So this is where you get to, all right, I'll say it again. We always loved Ryan Palmer. I, I, there's nothing wrong with playing Ryan Palmer. But we loved Ryan Palmer when he was on the bottom third of the pricing tiers. In the top third, it's a whole other conversation. Now we're looking at him as a completely different golfer, right? Like, it's the same kind of thing we were saying a few shows ago with, like, the football players, right? You love Scotty Miller as your fourth receiver. You don't love Scotty Miller as your second. It's the same concept here with Ryan Palmer. As your bargain guys, great here. You know, maybe I'll have a share or two. I'm I'm not going to completely fade him, but I'm just – he's not all that sexy anymore as a, you know, priced up up this high. Um, with that being said, there's a lot of other guys that we can go to up here that I do like, so that's, that makes it a lot easier to kind of to pivot. So Cameron Smith, Cameron Smith won this tournament last year. Um, he's he's got you know other than last year, he's tied for 22nd, tied for 18, tied for 27. So he's consistently done well here. He likes this course and he's playing really well. Um, you know, he's been playing really well over the last few months. He's in really good form, so I think it, he makes a lot of sense here. Definitely someone that that I'm going to be targeting this week. Another guy in this range that, that I'm really, really high on, and I guess, all right, so in fairness, technically I'm, I'm dropping down to the 800. Can I drop down to 8,800? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go. All right, let's drop down. So so the the one guy I'm really, really high on is Kevin Kisner. Mm-hmm. So Kevin Kisner um, has a really good – I really like course history, um, and this is really where I'm basing a lot of my plays off this week. So if you want to look at Kisner's history here, tied for fourth uh, – Tied for 69 two years ago, then 25th, tied for fourth, tied for fifth. So that's a lot of doing well on this course. And like we said, this is going to be about accuracy. And that's what you know, that's what he specializes in, right? He's not a big bomber. He's going to be accurate. And if he can just stay consistent on this course, stay accurate, he should probably do another top five or ten like, like we've seen him do before. And at this price, I I'm, I'm my value of my players, he's in my top ten, and we're getting him almost at a discount based on how I'm I'm play ranking him. So uh, I'm going to be really high on Kisner. He's like one of my highest owned golfers for sure. So he's the one I would kind of recommend everyone kind of targeting. And then as I scroll down in this range, I, I like Zach Johnson as well. Um, Zach Johnson's a guy who I, I don't normally play, but he has been coming on a bit now. I know it's the new season's kind of just starting and there's been a bit of a break. But if you look at last season, you know, he started off the year not doing anything. And you couldn't play him. And then as the year went on, he started getting better and better. And I think we're, we're hoping we're, we're continuing to see that momentum this year. And if we do, you're getting a guy who's done well here in the past, who you know has is capable of being one of the top golfers. Um, and if we're going to catch that form. I think we can have a lot of success with him here. You know, Matt Kuchar has done really well here as well. If you want to play him, I'm okay with that. I don't love Kuchar. I probably won't be playing too much of him. But just so you, so we have all the data, he won the tournament two years ago and tied for 13th in 2016. He missed the cut last year, but um, – you know, he's done more good than bad. So I think he's a he's a fine player if you want to put some shares of him in your lineups. And then um, the last guy in this range that I want to talk about is Charles Howell. So Charles Howell is another one with course history, right? It's it's jumping off the page. I mean, he likes this course. He's done well here. Um, I haven't we, we haven't talked about him or seen him in a while. So there's not much recent activity to go off of with him. But if you just want to look at how he's done in this tournament, tied for 12th last year, tied for 8th in 2019. 
uh, tied for 32nd and 18, 8th and then 13th. So at 8,000, I think that's a really good value on a guy that's consistently gotten in the top 15 for the last five years and 30th the one year he didn't. Um, so I think he's consistent. He's going to be good for cash lineups and tournaments. He's definitely someone you want to plug in. Yeah, and by the way, Charles Charles Howell III, his last three tournaments I'm looking right now is 23, 30th, and 46th. Now, that doesn't sound super impressive, but this is probably the course that caters to Charles Howell III the most. So, uh, and, and if you look at his previous finishes on this course, that, that actually kind of spells that out with the finishes he's had. So, you know, I, I actually, so Charles Howell III, Zach Johnson, and Kevin Kisner, those are guys that I almost never play, but... If you are going to play those guys, like you said, this is the course to play them. I, I personally, of those three, I probably prefer Zach Johnson. Uh, I mean, first of all, he has a good track record here. The last two years, it hasn't been that great. Uh, two years ago, miscut. Last year, 28th. But before that, 14th, 6th, and 9th. And by the way, his last tournament, just, his, just the last tournament he played was the RSM. He finished 6th. So he's clearly in good form, and, he, and he's on a course that is obviously going to cater to his strength. So, you know, it, I think Kisner, Zach Johnson, and Charles Howell III are, are great plays. I actually thought they would all be chalky, but as I look at their ownership percentages, it looks like they're all under 10%. Oh, uh, excuse me, Kevin Kisner is not. He's actually approaching 20%, but those other two are, are below 10%. So that's kind of a, a, a nice thing to know. Um, you can still play Kevin Kisner, but if you want to maybe – pivot off him because you think he's too popular or because maybe you have Webb Simpson, you're already kind of losing the popularity contest, if you will. So maybe you want to like drop down to a, to a Zach Johnson or, or a Charles Howard, the third to, to make your lineup a little bit different. So yeah, in, in that 8k range, I, I really like all those guys. In fact, I think you mentioned all the guys I like in the 8k range. I, I don't like Sergio. I don't want to rely on his putter. Brendan Todd is interesting. Because Brandon Todd also sets up really, really, really well for this course. Extremely accurate, a shorter hitter, can really get hot with the putter. The problem with Brandon Todd, and maybe maybe it's not a problem per se, but the problem is he just hasn't been very good. We know he, he like broke his toe right before the season ended, and he was kind of flailing with that a little bit. His finishes, I mean, other than Mayakoba, which, which I think actually compares to this course pretty decent, he finished eighth there. He finished 13th at, at last week, which isn't terrible. 37th before that, but then a couple missed cuts before that. This is a guy that at 8,200, you might be getting at a low price. I, I think he's a little risky. I don't think I want to jam him in a bunch of lineups. But again, if Brandon Todd was on top of his game, he'd be way ahead of Kevin Kisner. He, he would definitely be like, so what's Kisner's price? Kisner is 8,800 on DraftKings. I genuinely think that if Brandon Todd was was – had somewhat of his a game he'd be like nine thousand in this field so you might be getting brendan todd at the right time in a bounce back spot coming off a break uh so i like him but other than that in this 8k range i really think you said all the guys that i'm not i'm not going to be on henley i'm not going to be on billy ho again i mentioned adam scott in that 9k range his his stroke gain on approach last week was really quite phenomenal and he finished 21st last week and honestly i got to go back and look at his sunday he might have had a disaster sunday I, I can't remember off the top of my head but that's another guy again we're, we're we're swapping ranges a little bit but he's right above that Kev, kevin kisner so he he might be a nice pivot off of kisner because he looks like he's going to garner half the ownership so um that brings us into the 7k range do you want to start there or you want me to go i, I can start and, and i'll say you know i hadn't been i had really didn't have Todd on my radar until you mentioned him. But now that you mention him, I think you, you make a really good point. I mean, his game makes a lot of sense for this course. You know, the way he plays when he's clicking, he's going to be really accurate. And 
that's what you're going to need it. Guys who are consistently accurate. And that's Todd. Like when Todd competes, when Todd's at the top of these tournaments, it's because he's crushing the field in, in hitting uh, fairways and regulation and things like that. So um, I think he is a really good player, especially if it looks like his ownership is going to remain pretty low. He, he'd be a really nice way for you to get different in this, in this kind of at that uh, price range. Um, in the seven K range, uh, I think so. We completely faded Mark Leishman for a good portion of last year. He fell off. You remember there was one tournament. It was like the Northwest, one of the North something tournaments. He like was like plus 20. So it was absurd. He was so bad. Yes. It was like laughable. You couldn't play it. And so, uh, we, I mean, we've been off. But he's, I think we're starting to see some signs of life. I think he's coming back around. And keep in mind, like normally he's a very good golfer. So he got into a bad place during COVID year. And like if there's a year to excuse somebody, it's the COVID year, right? And so like we couldn't play him. But don't now that's not permanent, right? People, he's a good golfer. He's shown over a career that he's been good. And so it's like, can we get back to it? And what you want to do and you want to win a tournament is you want to be the first one back. Because if he does really well this week, his prices change, the ownership gets back on him, and then you're behind, and then you're not gonna be have the advantage. So the edge is being the one in on him before it's popular. Um, and I think I think it's time. I think he's getting back. He is a really good golfer, he's showing signs that he's playing well again, he's done well here. Um, where he's, you know, last year tied for 28th, 2019 tied for third, tied for 47th, 20th and 28th. So, you know, not great. I mean, he has that third, but he's done well. He's, he has never been like, you know, he made all these cuts. He's, he's been in competing and you're not paying too much. I mean, you're getting him in the 7K range where you can still jam in, you know, Webb and, and a bunch of other guys in this range and have a pretty balanced lineup. So um, I actually like Leishman a good amount. I will be playing him this week. Um, I think I like Sebastian Munoz and uh, his price – He's one of those guys that week to week, we've seen him go up to 9,000. We've seen him down at 6,500. Um, I would say this, for what I'm used to with him, is probably a little higher than we're used to. I would say he'll probably settle into a regular tournament in the low 7,000s, but we're not. this isn't a regular tournament. You don't have your DJs, your JTs, like we said before. So in a field like this, he can win this tournament. Uh, I think he's a completely good play um, You know, in this range where you want to get your – you know, if you want to do a lineup – with Webb and like five, four or five guys in this range, I think that totally makes sense. And Muniz would definitely be one of those guys. Um, other than that, you know, Harmon is something that someone that, you know, I might have, I'll probably have a couple of shares of he's his course history here is, is strong. Um, the last year tied for 32nd, he missed the cut in 19, but then he has a tied for fourth tied for 20th tied for 13th. So it's been a few years since he's done really well, but he has had some consistently high, high rankings here. Um, I, th- I would have liked Pat and Kazire, um had he been priced in the lower sevens or six thousands. He won the tournament in 2018. He was tied for 13th in 2019, missed the cut last year. I think he's a little overpriced, but I, I do think there's a, some upside there. And I maybe see if you have that. He's probably going to be extremely low. And I can't imagine too many people having him. So if, I think he could be a way to get different if you want to put him in a few of your GPPs. Uh, but I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't target him in cash, and, and I do think he's probably slightly overpriced. Um, I think he's, this is a, he's tracking at about five percent. If you're talking about Patton Kazire, he's tracking yeah. at about five percent. Yeah, so I think that's that's perfectly fine, right? I mean, that's that's not too high. I mean, uh, I think you can you can use him in tournaments as a way to get different. This this range is pretty long, so I'll, we'll go down to like halfway through the seventy five hundred. I'll cool. pass over to UC, and then, and then we'll uh, we'll go back to the bottom half. So. Um, at the end of this tier, the last two guys I'll mention are Carlos Ortiz. Carlos Ortiz doesn't have much of a history here, or at least not a successful one, but he's just been playing well. I mean, his recent his recent um, um, his recent kind of form is looking really strong. 
and, and so he's a guy that I think is, is we're probably getting a good value on. I wouldn't have been surprised if he was in the eight thousands here. So if we can save a few thousand dollars on a value golfer, which I think we're getting here in, in Carlos Ortiz, I'll, I'm going to go after him. I think the way he's been playing, I think he's better than he's getting credit for. So I think my prediction on him is when you know come uh, the summertime, he's going to consistently be in the in the eight thousand range. So I think when now it's just a good way to, to find some value. Nice. Yeah. And honestly, there's a lot of guys I like in this 7K range. I'll tell you what I do. Like, once I get down to 7,200, I, I basically don't like anybody below that. So I'm just going to take you through basically the guys I like between 79 and 7,200. And then you can kind of finish up this range, Joel. But one guy you passed over uh, that you, when you got to Leishman was the guy right above him, uh, Emiliano Grillo. I, I, I absolutely love. I mean, I, I've. I've really been on this guy probably like the last six months or so. It's just the ball striking is so good. And and classically, when when you have a guy that's like a great ball striker, you're like, okay, well, why is he 7,900? Well, it's usually because he sucks with the putter, okay? Or sucks with something else. But in Grillo's case, it's the putter. And the putter fails a lot of guys from elite guys to guys that are in Emiliano's range. I like him quite a bit. Um, he's somewhat popular. It looks like he's tracking at around 10, 11. Maybe it'll get up to 12%. I actually think that's a, a real bargain. Um, I think... He's the type of guy that I'll usually have as like a first round leader. He can get super hot. I'll probably have him. We'll, we'll, I'll give out my first round leaders um, later in the show. But either way, I think he can put it together for four rounds. So I like Rio quite a bit. Sebastian Munoz, you know, Joel, you're usually bigger on Munoz than I am. But but one thing I noticed last week is that his his day one was really bad. Okay, but day two, day three, day four last week, he was actually quite good. And I know that's something you look at, Joel, one for showdown slates, but two, just to see like, it's one thing to look at the collective four rounds and be like, oh, this is what he shot. So that's what I'm going to take away. But when you have a guy that was terrible one day, but then the last three days, like clearly, he, whatever form he needed to round into, he rounded into because he was lights out over the weekend. So I think if, you, if you're kind of playing the wave, playing the hot streak, you know, this is a guy that probably let some people down last week. And that's why he's tracking it under 10%. But if you trade out his day one with an average day one, and then you give him the next three days, which were his actual next three days, you know, he's not going to be tracking at 8% anymore. He's going to be tracking at like 14% or 15% for good reason. So th those are some of those things, you know, as analysts, I, I think we don't always see that. It, you know, sometimes we're looking at the macro, we're not looking at the super micro. But this is a really good example of, hey, you know, and I, Joel, I know you look at this stuff because you you are so successful in Showdown. This is a really good example of like, you know, not looking at the four round sample size. Sometimes you have to look at two rounds of that sample size. And which two rounds are you looking at? Because there's a certain two rounds that might matter more for next week than, than, than another two rounds. And those are the kind of like obvious points, but we don't necessarily look at that. So Munoz is a play for me. I want to look into Siwoo Kim a little bit more because this is one of those guys at 7,600. You know, I remember just four or five months ago, he was really hitting the ball really well. And his price tag was pretty high. It was reflective of how well he was hitting it. So I don't want to completely ignore Siwoo Kim. And that's, again, you know, we're in that discord, that wind daily discord chat always. And, our picks are not finalized, you know, when we do this live stream, obviously, like I have my initial picks article out. We have more articles coming out tomorrow. We have more like discord chatter. So Siwoo was one of those guys I could see myself being on after maybe I go through a little bit more of the, of the numbers and maybe hear from some other people on the wind daily golf team. So I just wanted to point them out. There's about five other guys that I really like that are all in that 7,400, 7,300 range. And I'm just going to go through them real quick. Cause I know I'm, I'm talking a lot here. Russell Knox, 
great course fit and has actually been pin, been playing pretty well. You know, Russell Knox, I felt like took like a few years off, not literally, but like from a golf standpoint, he just yeah. sort of sucked. But last year, especially at the tail end of the year, he started to hit the ball really well and he is a good course fit here. So I like him. Roy Sabatini doesn't really grade out super well here. In fact, he doesn't grade out for a lot well for a lot of tournaments, but I always see him kind of creeping up leaderboards especially you know day ones day two so he's a guy i, I definitely want to have in mind tom hoagie a former secret weapon when his irons are on he is legit and honestly it's just one of those things if he finds his game and if he plays consistently this is a guy that can scare the top of the leaderboard so do not be afraid to play uh tom hoagie james hans another interesting guy his ball striking late last year was really good and then it really fell off i'm not going to have much of james Hahn, but if i'm doing 15 lineups, I do want to have him in one or two. Whereas just just to contrast that with Tom Hoagie, if I have 15 lineups, I think I want to have him in like three to five, three to four, something like that. Kyle Stanley, another classically good ball striker, very inconsistent. I don't think he's very good with the putter, but Kyle Stanley's another guy I like. And then I'll, I'll leave it with Stuart Sink. I know that's a lot of guys, but that 7,500 to 7,200 range, unfortunately, if you're trying to stack some guys up top, not only will you have to go to this range, but you might even have to go lower. So that that's a nice handful of guys that I like that can kind of make your lineups work because of how, how they're priced. That's a really good point. And like I always say with, with golf, especially when you're building your lineups that you, you get excited, you know, the guys you want, you lock them in and then you only have 6,100 left, 6,200 left. So you just, you, you try and just jam someone in that to make it work. Don't do that because that one guy has a bad week and you lose. It doesn't matter how good the rest of your guys do because they don't make the cut. You're not going to win with five golfers. So Make figure out who you want to replace when your top guys have bounced out. Use the guys in this range. You can get two or three of them, and then use two or three of the top guys. Now even more balanced lineup that with six guys who have success that can win. So you have to have six good golfers. Like having five and one guy mess up, you're not going to win. So make sure you make sure you have six guys that you think can get you there. And that's what this is about. It's catching lightning in a bottle, right? You want to get those six high upside guys. Where can you find value? I think you're spot on with your take on Siwoo Kim. Um, he's a guy that, that we know can, we've seen him do it last year, multiple times. He can catch that landing in a bottle. And I, I agree. I think he's a little underpriced here. So I think that could be a nice play for, for folks who are looking to get different. The one thing I want to say about Siwoo before you go on in this seven K range is one thing I noticed last year when he was actually contending at the top of leaderboards, he, the, the mental strength wasn't there. Like when he started hitting a, a couple shots, he was, he was sort of getting like, Terrell Hatton under the collar, if you will. Like he was just sort of kind of, you could tell he was kind of losing it. He would, he would, he would hit a ball out of bounds and he would like go for the same shot. But this is a resort course. So for those guys that like you might not think have like the mental stamina to like handle a couple bad shots in a row on a Sunday, for example, well, that's not really going to be a problem here. That doesn't mean you can't get your ball lost somewhere, but like, this ain't the course, right? This ain't the, like, you've got a very low percentage chance. So a guy like Siwoo Kim, if you're afraid of him kind of like crumbling, like he did a couple times late last year, you don't really have to worry about that here. So that's maybe another reason to jam in a guy that you might not have the mental fortitude that he, he would need to have it like the masters, for example, or, or a more difficult course. Yeah, that's a really good point. Guy, they let guys like us play on this course. So these guys should be able to handle it. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, I like that. Um, as I go down, uh, I, I kind of stopped halfway through this range. So the guys in this range, and I'll just kind of kind of go through some of the guys that I'll be targeting. Uh, Keegan Bradley is someone to look at. I, I don't love him, but a few shares for sure. I do like Russell Knox a lot. I'm with I'm with Sia on that one. I think he's a really nice play. Uh, one, one guy we see didn't mention whose price is really coming down. He hasn't – early on last year when the restart started, he was doing great. 
slowed off, but I think this is a really good spot for Ches Reeve. Uh, Ches Reeve is a good golfer. He's consistent. Um, he plays a lot, and so like he goes up and down, right? If you play as much as him, you can't you know, unless you're obviously Dustin Johnson, which he's not. Um, you can't consistently be good. Like most of these guys who play that much golf, they have their ups and downs. And um, you know, he he was really good last summer. He cooled off at the end of the year. I think now you're looking at a guy who's you know we haven't heard from much recently. He's 7,400, which is a completely fair price for him, a bargain I would even say. And then a guy who has really good course history. So last year he missed the cut, but in 2019 he was tied for third, in 2018 tied for 18, and in 2017 he was tied for eighth. So that's two top tens and a top 20. That's consistent. Uh, this guy he likes this course. Um, I think Chaz Reeve is a really good spot where you can get some good value under 7,500 this week. Um, I really like Hoagie as well. I think uh, I think he's a good, you know, I know she used him as a secret of the past. He's a, one of those guys where you can catch lightning in the bottle. Uh, I like him for the tournament. I will definitely be liking him when showdown comes around over the weekend um, as like one of those one day guys who, who can come through. He is also a guy who's who's done well here in the past with tied for 12 last year, missed the cut in 2019 and third place 2018. So um, like I, I've said this before, and I want to just mention again, when you're looking at course history, when picking guys, a guy who's done well here at a course once is fine, but doesn't really tell you as much as a guy who has multiple times over the last five years where they've done in the top 10, top 15. Then, you know, this is something that's not just, oh, he got lucky at this course once. He does well in this course, right? If he's done it multiple times and this is a course where you want to target. So that's what I'm looking at is if these guys have two or three uh, tournaments where they've been top 10, top 15, then they get a big boost in, in um, how much I want to play them. Uh, look at this rating. The, uh, the last couple of guys in the seven thousand range that, that I want to kind of just mention is I'll, I'll I'll mention JT Poston's name. I think he could be interesting. Um, I think James Hahn will be fine. Like CS, I don't love him, but um, if you want to get different, I think he'd be okay. I do like Kyle Stanley. I think he's a good way. To, um, I think he's an interesting play here at seventy two hundred. I think he's a little underpriced, um, and and he's done really well in this course in the past. So. Uh, Kyle Stanley is someone that I'll, I'll definitely be playing. Uh, I'll definitely have a good amount of shares to this. And um, the last guy in this range I'll mention is Brent Snedeker, who, uh, again, um, he's just a consistently good, pretty good golfer. You, you see a lot of times, like, he tends to play up in tournaments, like, you know, kind of play above his head sometimes in, in, in tournaments that maybe he's not supposed to be doing good. And maybe the, the one you think he's going to do good, he doesn't. So people tend to get off of him and they start fading him. Um, He's probably a little bit better. People get credit for better than this price tag. So I think at a good value with a good course history and a good range, I think he's, he's a strong player this week. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. So let me let me go into – and I'm glad you like Kyle Stanley because I thought I was sort of you know out on a limb there. But if you like him, I'm definitely putting him in, in a couple more lineups because, again, he can get hot. And, you know, I'm looking at my first-round leaders, which, again, I'll share soon. I'm not so sure I had him on there. You know what? I, I have to look because that would be such – no, so, so the surprise is over. Spoiler alert, he is on there. So, all right, so listen, <laughs> let's get in that 6K range because there are some guys in the 6K range I actually like. Now – Full disclosure, full disclaimer. You know, this is the rate. This is the punt range. So this is where I have my secret weapon, which somehow was twenty-five and two last year. And again, for those of you that don't know that are listening, the secret weapon is a guy that's less than five percent owned and also less than seven thousand. So basically, these are the guys that are sort of the scraps. They're not the popular six K guys, which you know, it's, those are kind of find, hard to find to make the cut, let alone to you know have a top ten. So I'm thinking. You know, I don't think I'm going to have a 25 and two record this year, so I'm just kind of putting that out there. These these are the punt ranges. Hopefully, I will. 
But go ahead. You're you're gonna you're gonna go twenty seven and up. Oh yeah, well that's that's what I was getting at. That's what I was saying, and that starts this week in Hawaii. Um, so listen, but but there are guys that that actually you know we'll talk about the secret weapon in Discord tomorrow. But there are guys that that I do like. Listen, Doug Gim, sixty nine hundred, another good ball striker. He might lack some upside, but most people in the six K range lack some upside. But the next, but. The next guy actually don't I think might even have better upside, but I don't think he's a better golfer, and that's Michael Thompson. Michael Thompson's a really good ball striker, and he's very good on these short courses. So I'm a big fan of Michael Thompson at 6,900. In fact, I was in Discord earlier today, and I practically was apologizing because I, I had put out my initial picks article, which usually has like 10 or 11 guys. I was like, hey, guys, wait a minute. I should have included Michael Thompson on there. So consider him part of my initial picks. I I, I love Michael Thompson at, at the value he presents. Um, Danny Lee and Richie Warinsky as like complete punts. I, I think Danny Lee's sort of like lost something in the last, you know, six months or so. But but I actually think he's a pretty good golfer. Um, he, you know, he might be somebody I'm, I want to consider as a first round leader too. But I think those uh, Richie Warinsky and Lee are, are fine to play. The other guys I like in the 6K range, I think Brian Kay and Vaughn Taylor decent ryan armor at 6500 i mean he's he contended a little bit last year he, he played a few tournaments in a row where he was towards the top of the leaderboard he's a short hitter he's an accurate hitter so this is a guy at 6500 that can maybe you know allow you to stack some guys towards the top because 6500 is a bargain basement price jj spawn at 6400 he kind of flashed at the end of the year it's interesting jj spawn when when we had the break, even before the restart, JJ Spawn played a couple of tournaments on uh, what was it, the Outlaw Tour, and I was like, "Oh man, I'm taking JJ because we could do DraftKings back then for the Outlaw Tour because that's how awesome DraftKings is, and we could bet on JJ Spawn." So he ended the turn. I was like, "Oh man, I got to take JJ Spawn," and he completely flailed. And so I wasn't really on him after the Outlaw Tour when when the restart happened, but actually he was pretty good. He had a couple of tournaments where you know he was actually like a pretty decent golfer. So. Again, that's a lightning in the bottle guy. That's a less than 1% owned guy. That's a guy if you're entering a, you know, MME, yeah, go ahead and throw him into one of your, you know, 100 lineups or 50 lineups, but not a guy you want to have in single entry. Most of these 6K guys, other than those front end guys, the 6,900, 6,800 guys, probably not what you want to have in single entry or, or three max entries. Interesting, Wesley Bryan, 6,300. He's everybody's favorite in the 6K range, right? Like every time he shows up, he becomes like super chalky and then he completely flails. At least in this last year, he was just like pretty much terrible. He's known to be a good ball striker, but he just hasn't put it together. So now we finally have him instead of like 6,700, 6,800, and, and instead of, you know, 14% ownership in this punt range, now we have him at 6,300 and 4.5% ownership range. So anytime we have that, plus we're coming off a big break, I'm like, all right. Well, you know, speaking of lightning in a bottle, maybe he sort of fixed something or tweaked something, and now no, you know, nobody's on him. So again, if you have to dip down to this range because you took a few too many elite guys, I'm not a Wesley Bryan guy, but I have no problem with you taking Wesley Bryan here. And then I just think this is funny and interesting because of the course fit aspect of it. This guy's on the senior tour, and he is literally the lowest price. Well, he's one of the, he is the lowest priced tied for it at six thousand. VJ Singh. It's a short course. Even last year, we saw him put some good rounds together. I don't know. Maybe you want to throw him in like a day one showdown before he gets really tuckered out, if you will. But I, I just think VJ Singh is interesting. Again, we're, we're talking like MMEs. We're not talking like single entries. But uh, he's 350 to one as a first round leader. Just throwing that out there. So um, those are the guys I like in the 6K range. But it's really those first few guys I mentioned that, that I like, frankly. 
I like that. I like that. And I do. I, so I, I, you know, my builds typically this week have been a little bit more of the high price guys. So I am squeezing a few 6Kers in there. I'm not going down to the 6K. Unfortunately, no VJ Singh for me, but I am going to go with the higher 6K ranges. A few guys in here that, that I like. So I'm going to kind of touch through a few guys. I'll just kind of, I want to run through them. I don't want to take up too much time. And I will say there's one guy in this just above 6K that I skipped over. Um, I will be bringing him up in the betting section. So he's also going to be in play for DFS. Just remember that, but. I'll wait till I talk, but we talk about uh, some betting eyes before, before I bring them up. So for this six cool. K range, there's actually I think a few value plays that I like I like quite a bit. So you know, I I, I kind of tell this to everybody when I kind of start breaking down the slate, I look at where I really find my plays. I take those plays and then I kind of do my ownership elsewhere. So some weeks it is the guy I want to just jam in Thomas and DJ and lots of cat and figure out what to do from there. This week it's the up. There's a few guys down here that I want to jam in pretty heavily because I think I'm going to, I like the plays that, I, that I'm targeting low and then I'm going to probably disperse the top guys more because, you know, a lot of these guys are good. I want to make sure, you know, I have more exposure to the higher prices and these are the guys that I have action on down here who I am targeting the guys who I like a lot. The first name, um, uh, well, I guess he's still technically 7,000 flat is uh, Henrik Norlander. So as everyone knows, I love Henrik Norlander. I am a Henrik Norlander guy. Uh, and so, if you want to think that there's a little bit of bias, that might be fair. So I will give you that information. However, he's he's um, he's done well in good history, and I think he's underpriced. Right? I think we've seen he can very easily be uh, closer to eight or in the high seven. So we're getting him in, at a good value. And this is this is a guy who's uh, got tied for ninth here last year, tied for twentieth when he last played in in 2017, and missed the cut five years ago. So he's done really well here more often than not. Uh, isn't him uh, Brian Stewart? Uh, who has two top 10 finishes in his last four tries. And he's never missed a cut in this tournament. So a guy who's under 7,000, who's never missed a cut, or at least never hasn't missed a cut in the last five years. I don't have data going back further than that. Um, I think he, he's a really good a really good value play. Um, I think Bohog's a fair play. You know, not, not someone I'm super high on, super low, but if someone, if you need another guy in this range, he's, he's certainly fair. Someone who I do love, one of my favorite plays of the week is Hudson Swafford. Hudson Swafford um, last year was 57th, not much, tied for third in 2019, 54th in 18, 13th in ninth. So that's three top 15s, two top 10s, not, no cuts missed in the last five years at 6,800. That just seems like too good of a value. So if you want to just kind of break down, you know, hey, how have the guys in this field done on this course? You, know, you would look at him as being a top 15 golfer, top 20 golfer. So getting him in his price range, it seems like it's just a really good deal. Um and if you're playing GPPs, you know, one thing that I keep in mind is because you're not going to win $100,000, every week. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But you can win money every even playing GPPs, right? And so he's the type of guy where like, he's consistently making the cut here. As long as you make the cut, he, you're, you're going to be in it on the weekend. And it will even if you hit on your other you, – it's important too. So I do like him a lot this week because uh, I think he's safe and I think you can – you know, he has the upside, but he also will help you to continue to, um, you know, make six cuts and, and, and cash in all your lineups. Um, as I continue to scroll down here, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit further. Um, I'm going to mention Keith Mitchell. He missed it last year. Then he was tied 16, 525, 6,600. Uh, I think that's another good value that, that you're going to pick up. Uh, and then we're starting that. And then we, as I scroll down, you start to get to the guys where now we're, we're, we're taking big swings. You know, I think, I think, um, I think, G, I think 
I think Sia's JJ Spawn plays is a good one. I like JJ Spawn. If it's one you want to get, obviously not the one I would play in a, a lot of lineups, but if you want to throw them in one or two, I think that's completely fair. Well, someone I'm going to mention, I'm not going to play a lot of them because it's, it's just, it's maybe not the wisest, but just so the stats are jumping off the page to mention Ted Pye. So you guys know my take with, uh, the old hefty boys out in Hawaii walking on the course. Old hefty. Um, <laughs> that might catch up to him. He, but he's 6,300. So that's one thing. And, you know, last year he got seventh. The year before that, he was tied for 13th. So at that price, right, this guy's done well here twice in the last two years. And at this price, yeah, I'm definitely going to throw a couple of shares of him in there, uh, especially if you're playing some big pool tournaments where I can't imagine he's going to be more than 1% or 2% owned. Uh, I think that could be a nice way for you to fu- to round out some some value. Um, so Jamie Lovemark is someone you might want to put on. He missed the cut three years in a row here, but he has two top 10 finishes in the last five years going back to 17 and 16. Don't love him, but it's a name that you can put on if you're squeezing someone in this range. Um, Jerry Kelly uh, is another guy that is the same, the same thought process. He's just had some success here. So when you're going to, if you if you're going to squeeze in some of these guys down here, uh, find guys that have been well before, maybe they'll see something again and, and do it. So those are the guys that, that, uh, that we're looking at in the six year range. I love it. Hey, Nick Watney is 6,100. Is he that bad? Is Nick Watney that bad? Wow. He's pretty, he's pretty old. Yeah, I mean, he gains, on, he, he gains on approach. He's, you know, missed a bunch of cuts in a row. Oh, that just seems like a weird price for Nick Watney. Anyway, uh, just. No, yeah. he's, I was wrong. He's only 39. Yeah. Look, Watney, I agree then. I'm with you. I mean, he, if we're looking at gaining on approach, like he is one of the few guys that, you know, your boy Jerry Kelly definitely gains on approach. Um, you know, Wesley Bryan's another one of those guys. But I don't know. It's just a, just a random thing. I mean, I, have, I haven't seen. I haven't seen Nick Watney put four rounds together in quite some time, but I just thought that was a, a weird name to see at the bottom of the list. He's below Mike Weir. Ouch. Okay. Uh, anyway, so listen, listen uh, so let's go. You want to, you want to transition now to our outright guys. Do you want me to go in first round leaders? You want me to go first or you? Uh, you can go first. Are we doing outright first or first round leaders first? Let's do outrights first because that's usually the less fun exercise. We'll, okay. we'll we'll make the big crowd wait for our first round leaders. Um, <laughs> so listen, my, my first outright, I, I had to look at this guy a second time. And, and again, I, I admit it on the show, I have to look at him a little bit deeper in terms of how his Sunday went because his ball striking was, well, I should say this, his approach was really good last week. I don't normally want to take a guy this this high in the odds, 35 to one. It's like, right. Uh, like I like to, you know, Joel, you and I, we like to go like 40 to one, 50 to one, hundred to one, but whatever. Cause we like to have fun with these. Like, well, let's be honest. Like the outright market isn't the money making market. It can be, but if you really want to make money, jump into discord and let's talk about some head to head plays on like Saturday and Sunday and Friday, because personally that's where I make my golf money. Um, I mean, I, I hit a bunch of outright somehow and a couple first round leaders last year, but I mean, if we're being honest, those aren't exactly plays you can lean on. But with that said, Adam Scott at 35 to 1, I think is primed to actually take down a tournament, especially when you consider the field isn't very top heavy. So, I mean, I, I think if we look at Adam Scott and I'm, and I'm, I'm looking at his DraftKings price now, I mean, he's not that, but I mean, the, the fact that he's below Ryan Palmer, even, even a Cam Smith, Abraham answer that the, these are guys that I like, but I think he's right in that class of guys, which puts him, you know, in the top 10 from just a contend, uh, contention standpoint at 35 to one. I think those are pretty good odds. Um, 
The next few guys I like, Zach Johnson, 45 to 1. Again, a great course fit. I like him. I think those odds are decent. I don't think they're amazing. I wish I, I could get it at 55 to 1. But again, the field isn't very top heavy. Emiliano Grillo, I like him more as a first round leader, which we'll get to, but 66 to 1, I like that. Tom Hoagie at 110 to 1. I got a soft spot for this guy. And, and again, if the approach is there, like it can be sometimes, and if some of these guys at the top kind of wilt, like your Webb Simpsons, or your Sung Jays, your Collins, I wouldn't shock me if Tom Hoagie is near the leaderboard on Sunday is all I'm saying. So those are my outright guys, 110 to one. It's fun. Put three bucks on it. and It'll make your month. I like that. I like it. And so for this week, what I'm seeing in the market, is, well, what I'm thinking is without DJ, without the big names, you're only having web. I think it's a little bit better. I think there's a little bit more room to take a shot on somebody. Right. So, uh, if you want to take some lower long, this is what I'm going to be doing this week. I think um, I think that's what the value is. You don't want to take a shot on some low guy when he's got to beat DJ, DeChambeau, Rom. I guess it's not going to happen. But if you only have other guys, and it's a more realistic possibility. So this is the week, I think, if, if you're going to take some long shots, it's, it's the week to do it. Uh, just having fun. I'm not taking this bet, but just having fun looking at it. Uh, see, you mentioned VJ Singh. So VJ Singh is 1500 so um listen he's not gonna win the tournament so don't you know you're wasting it but hey maybe if you want to try something like a first round leader on him or something like that that actually has a chance so that would be the, the process now in, in terms of the play that i actually that i actually will be playing and that i actually like this week um the guy that i that i mentioned during the dfs version that said i, I would hold off on uh is an amateur golfer and so I didn't mention him because, you know, he, you don't have any course history. He's, he's so young. Um, but he uh, he's one of the up-and-coming guys. He, he's, he's a big name. And I still think you're getting a really good value. So uh, it's Kanaya. Uh, you're getting, I think, it's 125 to 1, which is great value. Um, and so I'm gonna, I actually already put a pretty nice bet on it um, where if, if this is the tournament where he breaks through, you can get a really nice bag to payday. So that's my kind of my bet of the week so far. That's the only bet I put in already. Um, and, and I do like him um, a good amount as, as a way for, for you to take a shot on somebody where they could win a tournament and, and kind of have their, their name called. Now, in terms of the more realistic plays this week, guys that can actually win the tournament, there's an under-the-radar guy here uh, that, that's, that you're getting a pretty good value on uh, at 300-1 to 1 to win the tournament. Um, he's a South African golfer named MJ Defu. MJ Defu doesn't play in all that many tournaments. We've seen him. We've talked about him before. But you don't see him all that much. So um i actually think he's getting a little undervalued um when he does play, he, i'm on him a lot especially on showdown um just so everyone knows the reason i've gotten onto him was because it was by accident just being completely honest last there was a showdown tournament i was playing there was a last minute scratch i had to replace somebody and I, he was the only other salary guy that i, fed. I didn't know who he was i put him in the guy went off that day and it won me a showdown <laughs> tournament uh, ever since I've been, and he does. He he's been good. He plays well. I've been I've been tracking him and following him. He's a good golfer. So I think he's a little under the radar because he doesn't play in all the tournaments like everyone else. So now everyone really knows who he is. But he's he's good, and uh, I think that's a good value at three hundred one. If you want to take a shot on somebody down here, and kind of going up to the more realistic place, you can get um sixty six to one on Charles Howell the third. Like we said before, this is a guy we know likes this course. He's done well here consistently in the past. Um. And, you know, he's not, you know, there's how many guys, 25, 30 guys ahead of him in odds wise. So I think he's, he's got a better percentage than 25, 30 guys doing this tournament. So I think that's a good value. 
And um, out um, at 30 to 1 is uh, Kisner. Yeah, I like that. I like Charles Howell the third at 66 to 1 a lot. I think that's a great bet. If just from a value standpoint, I think that's a great bet. Um, all right, so first round leaders. Um, I'll kick it off. Uh, I got some breaking news here, too. So, because I think. I can see the future, and I know that we are going to have this guy as the first-round leader. But let me get started with a guy that might get first-round leader, but he's not like my guy. Sung J.M. at 40-1. to 1. I just think the guy's in great form. Sebastian Munoz at 60-1. to 1. Listen, this guy has been red hot the last you know couple days he's been out there. A little under the radar, given these odds, 60-1. to 1. I mean, I, I honestly think the proper price for a guy that can get hot like Munoz is probably closer to like 50 or even 45 to one. So I think you're getting some value there. Um, Tom Hoagie at 80 to one, uh, Kyle Stanley and Michael Thompson at 90 to one. Uh, honestly, like if I had to choose between the two, I'd probably go Kyle Stanley, but I think both of those are viable. So let me just go over it before I break some like real news. Kyle Stanley at 90 to one, Tom Hoagie at 80 to one, Sebastian Munoz at 60 to one, Sung J.M. at 40 to one. And here's the breaking news on a Tuesday night. I can see the future and your first round leader. Speaking of 66 to ones, which we just talked about with Charles Howard the third as an outright at 66 to one, your first round leader on Thursday is none other than have I delayed it enough yet? Emiliano Grio is your first round leader at 66 to one. You're welcome, America. I like that. I like Grio. I think uh, I think I think that's a good call. Uh, and I, I don't know you you're, you've been pretty you're pretty high Grio this week. So let's like you know as you're building your lineups this week, as you're finding guys that you're starting to really come around and get high on, um, if they're not you know those top 10, 15 guys that you don't want to be on the world tournament, but I'm in the first round. I think that's that's the area where you know you don't need to be the best golfer. You don't need to put down the four best days you need to put in the best first day. And so. Um, I like Griot from from a first round leader standpoint. Um, I think that that's that's a nice target. You know, for my first round leaders, again, I do the same thing. Yeah. It's not a lot of excitement taking the favorites to win the first round. Now it does work the opposite in that you know you're getting better odds on Web Simpson to be the first round leader than you would for him to win the tournament because he's so good that like you know the further down you get, right, you're not going to get the worse the golfer. You won't get as good odds as you would to get to a tournament, and the better the golfer, the better odds you get. So. They try to make it more evened out from that standpoint. Um, for me, when I'm looking at looking at the first round leaders, a couple guys that I'm going to mention on target is Mark Leishman at 60 to one. Uh, I think he might come out, make a stance, uh, and get, get on get on the board, get out in the lead to start this tournament. I like Russell Knox at 80 to one. Um, I don't think I'm going to take him as a first round leader, but just someone I have my eye on. Maybe I'll take him like a day two leader or something like that if he's in it. Is Henrik Norlander? I know I mentioned him before. If you do want to take a stab at him at first round, it's ninety to one. So some really good value by by taking a stab at him. Um, and then the last guy I'm going to mention is someone I really like the DFS as well is Hudson Swafford, uh, where you're getting a hundred to one, which is great value. You know he can come out. I think he's very viable to get the the first round leader, and and you can get you know put two two bucks on it. Boom, 200 bucks. Great, great, great bet. Yeah. So, for those of you that don't bet first round leader, like, you, you know, we, we've kind of encapsulated it really well. The first round leader, the feeling you get when your guy is sort of like near the top or maybe, you know, gaining on the leader as the afternoon is closing, it's the same feeling you get on cut sweat day, like on Friday afternoon when, when your guy is like, or it's, at least it's a similar feeling when your guy's like, 
right ahead of the cut or right behind the cut, but he's charging. Like it's that same type of feeling. It's just you get it on a Thursday in a completely different context. So that's why we say two bucks, three bucks. That's why we take long shots because it's supposed to be more of a fun bet. You know, there, there's never an obvious first round leader play. So you may as well take the long odds, have some fun with it. I'll, I'll just, you know, looking behind the curtain, I, I never really put more than like 10 bucks on a first round leader, but often I'm putting two or three bucks because it's fun. And it's like a guy that's 50 to one or 80 to one or 125 to one, three bucks. It's it's just fun to do that. So I'm out 15 bucks and it's usually entertainment value. But like I said, last year, I hit a couple of these things. And so it pays for the rest of the year, essentially, depending on how much you've put on it. So super fun. Um, Joel, any other comments to sort of close out the tournament, whether it's strategy tips or something you're looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, for this tournament, for the most part, you know, you, you want to just hammer in whatever your your strong priority plays are and then build around that, right? And that doesn't have to be the top guys. And I, I know I keep saying that, but that's the most important thing to me is if, if you don't feel like it has to be Webb Simpson or the 9K range. It can certainly be like for me this week, like I said, it's the 6K range. There's like three or four guys in the low 7, 6K range that I really like that will probably be my highest exposure for the week or in the top 10 of my highest exposure for the week. Uh, and then I'm going to try and get more different up up top because I'm not I don't have as much conviction. So it's okay for me to spread those guys out and have my conviction lower, and and that's will be uh, kind of my strategy this week in getting to the winner. Now, uh, the last thing I will mention, and I think I'm, I'm one of the guys I don't remember who it was. One of the guys I mentioned earlier, uh, I talked about this earlier with. It's okay to take a shot on somebody too, right? Like this is the tournament where you you're going to find value in that these guys don't like. It's not it's rare that we get these tournaments without all the top 10 guys in it. And so this is where you want to take those shots when you have DJ and whatnot. All these guys down here are still the same odds, right? They still have to beat 150 person field. The odds don't change all that much. So here's where they have the real chance of winning the tournament. Here's where you want to start targeting your, your longer shots where they have a, a more realistic chance of winning the tournament. Yeah. And, and by the way, those guys like, like your, I mean, Kevin Kizzer is probably not the best example, but maybe your Charles Howard the third, for example, like they know going in, this is their best shot too. So yeah. those guys are potentially way more locked in than, than your guys at the top, just because they know the talent gap is usually, you know, way bigger because there's so much more talent at the top. So this is really a chance for those guys to shine. So the thing about golf in general is like you want to embrace variance. Even the best golfers, they win three times in a year and it's a great year for them, right? So clearly the best golfers aren't, you know, the top three golfers aren't winning all of the tournaments. But when you have a tournament like this where you're really only worried about, I mean, uh, let's let's be real. So let's just look at the top six guys. I mean, Webb Simpson and Colin Morikawa are probably and maybe maybe Daniel Berger just from a long term standpoint are, are like the only guys I'm really taking seriously in any tournament when there's like a like when it's top heavy when you have your DJs and and your you know Justin Thomases and Rory's like these other guys that are up here Harris English Joaquin Neiman Sung J M and you, you get down to almost you know Abraham Answer Ryan Palmer I like all those guys but like they could easily have a couple bad days some of those guys could miss the cut I mean they probably won't resort course and all but. Yeah. So embrace the variance of golf. Like, you know, don't, if you don't, if you don't have conviction about Webb Simpson, I, I happen to, um, but I, I can take him and get different in so many other places. And by the way, I'm not going to jam him in all my lineups, even though I have conviction about him. So, you know, it's not, it's not um, predetermined that these top guys are going to win the tournaments, especially this one. So it's, it's a really good piece of advice, but Joel with that, 
I guess I guess we're gonna end the show. Um, we don't have Michael here, so that's weird. Um, so I guess we'll just kind of like X out of this thing instead of what he does, which he just kind of like closes it. But tell everybody where, who who's listening on the podcast, for example, tell everybody where they can find you. I was gonna say we can't wrap up before we do the tell everyone where they can find you. I mean that's a, exactly. a staple sign up uh, at Draftmaster Flex, and I'll do the the patented the, the patented flex, um, and that's everywhere. IG. Uh, Twitter, that, that's where you can find me. So you can also find, I don't know if you're going to be joining us on SiriusXM this weekend, but but you very well could be. I, I haven't talked to Jason about it yet, but um, you were on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio with us last week talking about football, making some outstanding picks. I actually 4X to my money on Saturday, and I won a little bit on Sunday, so it wasn't anything, anything grand. It was actually that Steelers game kind of ruined me because Cleveland played defense for three quarters. But my point is, is, um, I'll be on Sirius uh, with Jason, maybe with you as well on Saturday. We're going to be on 10 to 12. That's Eastern Standard Time. Michael's going to be back. He's going to be on the Sirius show, Fantasy Sports Radio, 10 to 12 on Sunday. And then I think the following week, I think we move to the 5 to 7 spot. So we're going to be talking NFL to close things out, but NHL, NBA, PGA. I mean, we're going to cover all the DFS stuff. So if you guys don't have Sirius XM Radio um, – I really don't even know how much it costs at this point, but I can guarantee it's worth it. There's so much on SiriusXM from an on-demand standpoint, from a live standpoint. It's really awesome. And you can hear me and Joel and Michael and Jason and Mo uh, Sticks Picks, of course, Nick Bretwish and DFS Ghost, most of the Wind Daily team. So um, get serious, man. Uh, pun well, intended. Hold on. Not to, not to toot my own horn, but I'm absolutely going to toot my own horn. Oh. Um, I went on SiriusXM Radio, told the world that – Last weekend, they should play the Cleveland Browns defense in DFS. And then oh, yeah. the Cleveland Browns defense came through and scored a touchdown on the first play of the game. So, listen, guys, if you tune in, you can win some money, guys. We're giving you the picks. Just and by the way, yeah. first of all, that was a great pick because because Cleveland's defense was – like from a value standpoint, knowing Big Ben passes so much and potentially creates his, his own turnovers for his defense, it was a great play. It was a very like cost-effective play. But by the way, we were talking about fading Derrick Henry on that show too. Now it's not like it's not something you ever want to do, but you couldn't jam in Kamara and Derrick Henry. Well, you could, but then you'd have to take like five punts on your team. So we actually talked about you know Kamara lineups without Derrick Henry, and that's why I won so much money that day is because – well, that's why I won a little bit of money that day. That was Sunday, right? So uh, if, I, if I had played Derrick Henry, I definitely would have, would have lost basically all my money. So, again, listen to us. The, the, you know, Listen to Nick Brettwish, of course, um, the other Nick, a.k.a. DFS Ghost. I mean, listen to the live stream at 11 o'clock on Sundays that we do every single week that's free on our YouTube channel. Like, we got a lot of – cool things to say. Nobody wants to fade Derrick Henry. And by the way, I had him in a couple lineups, but in my biggest lineups, I, I, I had to fade him because I, I wanted Kamara and I wanted some of these other guys. I wanted Lamar Jackson at quarterback, which was, which was okay. Um, but yeah, man, we, we don't just give this. This is the thing about win daily, whether it's PGA or NFL or any other sport, we don't just give out like picks without any like reason behind it. I, I think a lot of sites, they just kind of like, just the, the throw you some picks and it's like, it might work out. It might not, but you're not really going to understand the justification behind it. But we do our best to like give you some rationale behind it, whether it's on Sirius XM radio, whether it's on this live stream, whether it's in our articles, like I don't just give you picks on my articles. Antonio just doesn't give out picks on, on the article. So it's, you know, you know, sometimes in discord, that's all we can do because we're not going to write, you know, a huge book on, on, on our discord chat, but yeah, we, we try to bring you some uh, novel 
knowledge. And if you don't like it, you can pivot from it. But at least we're giving you the information. I think that's what's important. Yeah, I want to pivot that quickly because I think that's important. When I you know, was starting off in DFS and, and looking at different content, the thing that annoyed me was when people would just give just the picks. And I'd be like, I don't, if I wanted to just take the picks, what am I playing for? I'm not doing anything. I'm just taking what you told me. I want to have some input myself. So what I look for when I, when I was seeking out content was give me the ideas and then let me use your ideas to make my lives. Like I would almost rather you not give me any picks. Tell me the, the information. Give me all the information and then I can use that to then decide, okay, here's how I'm going to start building my lineups. And that's how I prefer to kind of get the content because I still want to make my own picks. I still want to be playing on my own, but I wanted to get the direction of like, what am I, what is out there that what information don't I have that I need to have a successful week? Right. Why, what's the rationale? Why are you leaning on this particular guy? If you can tell me, then I have the ability to agree or disagree with it. And it, by the way, if I disagree with it, that doesn't mean you suck at giving advice. It just means I happen to disagree with that little thing that, that, that you have for this particular game, for this particular matchup. So that's all that means, but at least give me, give me the power to decide whether I like your opinion or not, as opposed to just giving me the pick. So I love it. Again, for, for golf, it's a little different. We're doing showdown slates and we're giving head to head matchups sometimes when people ask. And so, you know, discord's a little different. We actually do kind of explain all our picks in discord too, but in our articles, we really try to make it a point um, to give you all the rationale behind everything. And Charlie, you're welcome. And Theo, speaking of embracing um, variants, he says uh, in the chat, I had the highest score last week by fading the two expensive guys. So, yeah, you can do that. You don't have to lean on these these top guys, um, whether it's the top two guys or the top five guys or the top six guys. In this case, you don't you don't have to lean on them. It's golf. Sure. So that's it, everybody. Thank you for joining the show. Next week, we'll be back with I think we have an NFL show tomorrow, by the way, with Nick, but not 100 percent sure about that. So um, stay tuned into uh, Discord for that. But uh, we'll be back next week, Joel, with with another event. We'll be back with Michael Raziel, and it'll be a good time. We'll, we'll all flex. We'll see if we'll see when Michael came back if he, if he finally shaved his um his mustache, and we'll hear some manscaped reads. So for anybody that doesn't have manscaped, I'm not going to promo it because I'll screw it up. But uh, really great product. Uh, type in the Wind Daily promo code, you get twenty percent off plus free shipping. It's actually truly awesome. If anybody has any questions, get in Discord. We'll we'll tell you all about it. But that's the show. I'm just going to X out of this thing. I don't know. Stop. Good luck, guys. X out. <laughs> Good <laughs> luck. Oh, but one more thing. Sports. Oh. <laughs>